We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, this is John McKechnie, and welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, joined, as always, by Mario Puig today. As you may know, it is the Combine. We are starting testing just in about an hour or so from this record time. So we're going to be giving you some reactions to the weigh-ins, all that good stuff, some things that we're going to be keeping an eye on this week in Indianapolis. Let's go. Welcome back in. Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. John McKechnie joined, as always, by Mario Puig. Mario, what are you looking for right now as far as the combine? Has anything kind of, kind of come across your desk uh, that has surprised you as far as the weigh-ins go um, that, uh, this morning? I'm just surprised on how few of them I can find because I'd like to find uh, you know basically everybody, but uh, I'm sure I'm missing something. There's probably some somebody out there compiling this information, but I only really know about Daniel Jeremiah's account, and he's he's posted like six players, and uh, one of them's Kenny Pickett with the hands. So uh, I'm wondering more so about like the rest of these receivers, the the tight ends, whoever whoever they got anything on. I, I just kind of want to know the height weight because obviously we're waiting for the testing, and uh, in between the weigh-ins and the testing, there's not a whole lot to do. And now they're not even giving me the first part. What am I what am I supposed to do? All day. We're, we're, we're sorely missing the, the Charles Robinson mega thread from the combine. That, that yeah. much uh, is certain. Um, but looking around just a little bit, I was surprised slightly by Drake London. I, I, he's obviously not small or anything, but um, I was expecting him to be a little bit closer to, to 6'5". He's, he's more like just 6'4", uh, like 2'12", I believe. And 219. I, I guess 219? Okay, all right, so... A little bit heavier, I guess, than I was expecting to, but Denser, slightly shorter. Yeah. But, um, you know, d- does that change uh, your Mike uh, Evans comp for him at all? Um, I guess Mike Evans is a very particular kind of comp. Like he was, I think, 6'5", 232 or something like that. And London uh, is 6'3 and 7 eighths, so he'll be listed at 6'4". The 219 is, um, I was trying to figure out on mock draftable, like using their database to figure out what that 219 checks in at for percentile. And uh, I personally like to see a player have somewhat uh, proximate uh, percentiles for both their height and the weight. Like it's it's cool if a guy's tall or whatever, but if he's, you know, 90, 90th percentile height and 25th percentile weight, that's actually kind of concerning for me. Uh, like I'd, I'd like to see the weight keep up, uh, the density keep up with uh, their their height. And um, London, I think, is like a tiny bit. His, his percentile for the height is a tiny bit ahead of the weight, but only a little bit. And London's one of the youngest players in the class, and certainly among the receivers in this class. So, if you just imagine him being more toward his, uh, you know, actual class. Uh, age intersection as the average receiver, the, the average fourth year res- receiver, especially you can imagine him weighing in, in this scenario around more like, you know, 225 next year. It's, it's not that uncommon for guys to keep adding a little bit of weight, the longer they're, you know, weightlifting in their lives. So uh, I think London, you know, even though he was shorter, he definitely eased some concern that I had about the density, because if you're, if you're actually six, five, you can't play in the NFL at like 200 pounds. You have to weigh more like 225, ideally 230, 235, because with that height comes, 
especially like for receivers, it probably matters for the jam, just getting into your routes in the first place. It's like you're, you're tall, you're a big target, but if you don't have density, you don't have anything to like defend yourself with. You're just, you're just this, uh, you know, kite flying around and these guys are shorter than you, but they're heavier and stronger than you. And and they can kind of just knock you off of your, knock you out of your route, barely let you start your route in the first place. So London being 6'4", 219 is actually a good thing for me. It just means he's like, you know, a slightly different aesthetic of player than he would have been if he was truly 6'5". So I think everything's looking good for London. He, he He's not expected to test that well, so I don't want to make it sound like he's completely safe exactly. Like if he runs a 4.64 or something, that'd be not very good. It, it might knock him into like the second round. Uh, where he'd still be a fine pick, but he's he's definitely in the hunt more for with like Traylon Burks, I think, to be the 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 actual top receiver. Like it's possible one of those two is the top tier after the combine. Well, London's not running, I guess, so I guess we don't know about him. But is right, Burks so, running? Yes, I believe so. So I, yeah, I we might know basically the top tier like right there, uh, and London still can sink if he tests poorly later. Right. So, so we'll have to wait on, on London's uh, testing when they do the USC pro day. Cause London, uh, if the listeners remember injured his ankle mid season. Oh yeah, that's and, right. Crap. And his, you know, if you look at the overall target data from last season, like he's still like kind of up there on the leaderboard, despite missing like the last five games of the season. Like that's how much he was getting peppered with targets. Like it would, it was pretty much every weekend you would go into it expecting him to, to get the ball at least 15 times. And it just felt normal. That's how crazy he was. Yeah. And he's probably age wise close to a lot of guys who are technically still sophomores, you know? So he's, He's demonstrating a, a pretty uncommon natural ability to play receiver. And all there really is for me, my, my process to, to scout him at this point, all that there's left for is the testing. Because uh, if he tests even just kind of decent, you know, something other than badly, uh, I think production like his and, and the likely skill set that it indicates makes him like a clear standout starting receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I think so too. I'm I'm sold on him as well. Um, but again, that that testing component a little bit later on in in the uh, draft process will will be key for him. In your mind, because we were, we were just talking about Traylon Burks, you know, checking in at six two two twenty five, uh, almost ten inch hands, big dude. As as we all uh, were, were very well aware, um, what does he need to run in your mind to to stay safe or or potentially stamp his, his place as the number one receiver going into April? Well, it'd be a bit pending what happens with London and even some of these other guys too, you know, the Ohio State guys, uh, other other receivers that are uh, escaping my mind right now. But with Burks, he, he's really interesting to me because like, I don't actually know that much about him. And the stuff that I've heard or, or you know, read about on the internet, uh, on Twitter, I, I don't know how reliable like how much I should take it seriously, but the, some of the things you read about Burks are kind of like, uh, you know, he could be an all timer combine tester. And so he's interesting for the question of what, if I guess, even aside from what, you know, what the minimum is, cause you're, you're almost, it's hard to not get greedy with a player like him and wonder like, well, what if he, what if he runs like a four, three, seven at you know 225 pounds, that would be totally freakish. And I don't know who uh, would be particularly close to that, that number, uh, that, that'd be like, you know, T.O. D.K. Metcalf level mm-hmm. of, of kind of like freakish size speed. So um, we'll we'll see. But he doesn't need to do that. He could be the top receiver by just running like a, especially if London disappoints. Like if, if London runs like a four, five, nine and uh, Burks runs a four, four, seven, Burks wins that. You know, he's he's the he's the top receiver at that point. So um, he he. He, I think I would have to put Burks as my slight favorite for the top wide receiver one, even though I have London and even Jamison Williams in the same tier, just because we have so much reason to believe Burks will test well. And with London, it's more of like, you know, we got our fingers crossed kind of thing. Yeah, exa- exactly. So so Burks definitely has the opportunity here to, to stamp it. Uh, Andrew, uh, our listener, uh, viewer on YouTube, points out that also, and I, I was wondering where you're going with, with the Burks thing at first. I thought you were going to be mentioning his uh, his penchant to uh, cull the feral hog population in, in Arkansas. 
Yeah, man, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> he should probably stop doing that. Those uh, things are crazy, but I mean, I guess if I mean, John, you're that, that someone is together, literally what killed Robert Baratheon. And uh, I don't know how to process real world events without pop culture analogies. <laughs> like HBO only, I actually. So, you seem uh, like a big Euphoria guy. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's <laughs> my new show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, back back when Game of Thrones was on, this would have been an especially if it, it, when season one was airing. If Traylon Burks made that hog announcement, it would have it would have been like, no, you can't do that. But everyone forgot that you know uh, boars are really dangerous. You, you should you should probably have some distance between them and not try to like actually wrestle them. Yeah, get get up close and personal. Yeah, one, one knife. Yeah, this man is not just in a helicopter. He's he's in there. Uh, <laughs> amazing stuff. Um, all right, let's move on over to some someone who I, I feel like or two guys out of the big 10 that I feel like have had varying levels of, of first round hype one way or the other. And I think in the case of, of David Bell, I think that he measured in really well, six two two twelve. I think that that's a good, you know, starting point for him. I'm worried about Jahan Dotson dropping a little bit, five ten and a half, one seventy eight. Um, that's, that's pretty slight. If you, if you look at, and we have this on rotowire.com, if you go to stats, we have the NFL combine and pro day stats. If you, do, and you can filter it however you like to, to customize it to uh, whichever prospect you're trying to scout. And there's not a particularly great list of guys with, with that measurements of, of 5'10 and under 180 pounds. I mean, that there's obviously the, the cases of a Miko Hardman, Desha- Deshaun Jackson, those type of guys. But I don't think that Dotson really offers that same type of game. Maybe best case scenario, he can he can be a little bit like an Elijah Moore, but even then, I, I think that, that that's a bit of a stretch. I think Moore was the better prospect coming out, so a little bit worried on Dotson right now. Yeah, Elijah Moore is a really really good prospect, so it's um, it's it's definite or it's likely true. I think that Dotson is not all that close, but still could be quite good. But you're right. The if the problem is not just the weight it's it's actually worse i think that he's 511 rather than 5 like they'll round that one up to 511 and i mm-hmm. i would rather he be 510 178 i think that's almost exactly what elijah moore was they might have rounded him up from like 59 and 58 or something but uh elijah moore was credited with it anyway I, I guess i even now i kind of can't believe he actually ran it but he was credited with like a 43740 so having it, it, a, it's better that more is an inch shorter, in my opinion, because the density is less of a liability. And the four three seven is a really high number to live up to. So maybe Dotson runs something like that, but unless he does, he's kind of just like out of range entirely from that kind of tier of prospect. Like he's still a very good one because his production is so great that it, it seems very likely that Dotson really knows how to play receiver, but he probably has less tools to work with than some of these other, assuming he doesn't, you know, burn up the track. If he surprises us with like a four, three, eight or something, I'll have to be like, Oh, well, never mind. I guess right. being that fast, you can get away with being quote too small. But you know, when you're, when you are too small and he basically is, you have to make up for it somehow. You're not really going to just like coast by about it. Like you, you can make up for it, but that one thing is true about him uh, at the very least. And um, if he doesn't test well, and if, if he doesn't specifically have like some of the fastest uh, running times in in this wide receiver combine class, then he's at risk of, I would be surprised if he fell quite this far, but he's at risk of something like what happened with Amon Ross St. Brown last year, where if you have a slot specific, and and I'm assuming if if Dotson is basically too skinny and doesn't have speed to offset being too skinny, then he's liable to get moved into the slot because if you're too skinny too slow, whatever. It's like usually the expressions of, you know, space that the, the ways, uh, you know, length and, and, and velocity express in space don't matter as much in a shorter part of the field. And indeed St. Brown was awesome there, but we didn't know for sure if he was ever really going to get the shot. And, and Dotson falls into that kind of category. I think if, if he runs only like a, you know, four five, three or something like that. Yeah, that that would certainly be an issue. So, so Deontay Johnson is pretty seat. close too, but okay. he was like 5'10", 180, I want to say, and he, I think he actually did run a four five three. So that's like the worst case scenario. That's like the the absolute worst Dotson can do, uh, and still project in the like top uh, seventy five. I think. 
Okay, so we'll, we'll be keeping a, a close eye on him. And I, I think one guy that, that we've talked about over the course of these last few weeks as we've been kind of digging our heels in on draft coverage, George Pickens is going to test. And he was saying on, I think it was yesterday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, that you know he's expecting himself to run 4-4 flat or better. If he does that, I mean, I, I think that, you know, like the whole conversation about him being like a fringe first rounder goes away. And, and then, you know, he he definitely switches places with Dotson. And I think he enters the conversation as like a top 25 pick, maybe even higher. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, us two were just kind of like preaching to our own choir at that at this one, because uh, it, it was to me always strange that Pickens wasn't just penciled into the first round of this draft or whichever one he declared for anyway. Uh, the moment that he had that true freshman year two years ago or whatever, because like, granted, he didn't he didn't have the chance to really hit the high volume mark exactly. Like you you do want to see the volume eventually more than the 780 yards or whatever he had. But a that's a good number for a freshman year, and he was the best receiver on the team. And b his efficiency was just off the charts. So any other time, pretty much like there's extremely weird cases like. Uh, that Jeff Fuller or whatever from Texas A&M, you know, mm-hmm. a long time ago who had a really big freshman and sophomore year and he looked like he was going to be awesome. And then he just kind of never did anything again. But usually almost always when some, when a player has a true freshman year, the way Pickens did at hit at the age that he did, he like, he was, you know, must've been like 18 and a half basically. And uh, already was probably like a top five wide receiver in the sec. Like that kind of data point is so uncommonly strong in itself that I, I barely cared to follow Pickens after that. I was just like, no, he's mm-hmm. going in the first round. I don't need to watch more of this. Um, so yeah, to see, to see him kind of get just like overlooked and, you know, especially hear people talk about like the ACL it's, it's done, you know, he had, the yeah, he came, he came back already. Right. He yeah. It's like, you can't say like, Oh, he might be injury prone because of an ACL. It's like what, like 30% of players probably have ACL tears or something going into the, their uh, rookie year or something. Um, it, it's, it's not what it was, you know, it's, it's not the Kajana Carter injury or something. So, um, he's going to be fine. And if he can actually run at, at, you know, maximum strength, I, I don't know if anything in his profile at that point, that's anything less than strong. You know, it's not, it's not like I'm, I'm not like glossing over some concern or another because of these other positive traits. It's like, I can't find what's supposed to be wrong about him at that point. No, he's He's about to like really, I think, t- take off. Um, look, really looking forward to that. I, not expecting a Chris Conley esque uh, combine performance. If he did that, him, he should go in the. He should be like the first receiver pick. Yeah, um, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, if he if he tests, you know, low four four. And what is he like six two two hundred something, something like, that. like that? So he's not exactly bulky. Um, it would be nice to see him have the low four four, or ideally the four three. Um, but if, if he does have like, especially the high four, three at 200, I don't see any reason he should fall out of the first 15 picks. No, he he's that good. And I think everyone's about to, to realize that, uh, come this afternoon. Um, another interesting one, uh, let's see here is Justin Ross. He checked in at like six, four, but like only just a bit over 205 pounds. So it was actually six, four. Yes. Interesting. Um, so, so that to me, you know, that seeing that and then hearing you talk about the, the Burks fit uh, or the Drake London element of, okay, he is X tall, but he needs, you know, X amount of weight to, to, you know, be effective at that height. And in Ross's case, that's a little bit concerning to me if he's going to be that tall and, and not as dense. Yeah. So did you happen to remember where you saw that? I was trying to find these um, things but like i said i only had the, the jeremiah account um anyway that's that's interesting to know and it makes me wonder that much more how fast he expects to run how high he thinks he can jump uh, but he's not testing is he he's a uh, he's coming back from that broken foot right he had foot surgery so um yeah maybe he maybe he would have been able to train a little bit more for mass if, if his foot wasn't messed up i don't know but yeah, being 6'4", 205, that's I don't want to say it's like a it's like a it's not necessarily like a fatal flaw or anything, but it, it is pretty concerning and he's like getting right on the border of what's permissible, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he can do is it's kind of like Dotson, he can earn more cushion 
if he tests really well. Like if he if he's 6'4", 205, you know, we, maybe we'd rather see him be pushing 212, 215 or whatever. But if he's running a 457 at 215, then it's not as good as him running, you know, the 441 at 205 or something like that. So uh, if he's fast, he can, you know, both just kind of in general in terms of balancing his profile and in practice, you know, thinking about actually playing the game, it's like, the liability of being too skinny as a receiver usually shows up with the jam and it, it can show up in traffic trying to make a catch too, but we have pass interference and things like that to, to make up for it, getting away from the jam and like dictating the kind of cushion that you might, the kind of approach in the jam in the first place is definitely subject to how much speed you have to like how much they pay, how high of a price they pay if they miss with that jam attempt. Like if, if they can't recover in the event that they miss, they might not try to jam you as much. They might, you know, have a bit of a cushion to the jam. So um, if he's fast enough, he can get away with it. But if Ross runs like a low four or five or something, that would be a little concerning to me. I think so too. What What do you make of, you know, how his role changed a little bit that this past year, the, the Clemson offense, as we talked about, really just kind of fell off Tank. a cliff. But, yeah. but do you think that it helps his profile that uh, he worked out of the slot a little bit this year? He had such a weird pattern of usage at Clemson. Like that true freshman year, he had a pretty low catch rate because they were just doing bombs all day, you know? Mm-hmm. And then even his second year, when T. Higgins was still there, they for some reason started using him at like a 13-yard per catch kind of depth, I want to say. And he actually struggled with that change. Like his his production went below the Clemson baseline his second season. And he went above the baseline this last year after missing the third season in between. But uh, yeah, I think it it was actually kind of a mistake to try to use him at a lower depth. Like it seems like he's most effective when he's running farther downfield and away from the traffic, Uh, or at least that's what I, you know, kind of assume looking at his production over those three seasons. But in any case, this last year, he did produce above the Clemson baseline again. And I know people will look, at his numbers and say like, Oh, he regressed. He had a down year. I actually think it's clearly a better season he had in 2021 than what he had in 2019. Uh, Cause you know, he, he was above the baseline in this case. In the other case, he was, he was basically in the spot. He tended to be in the spotlight when the Clemson passing game struggled. Like that was, and just- I, I- I also just don't feel like he was fully healthy at really any point this season. Like we, we talked about the foot yeah. injury, but also had, you know, some other stuff. I think even dating back to like fall camp. So like, I, I just don't sense. know if he yeah. was even a hundred percent at all this past season. Yeah. And, and again, that, that foot really might've kept him from adding on a few more pounds to his frame. So he's, he's a weird case for sure. And I, I think he's still, I want to err on the side of optimism just because he was so, great as just like a bomber specialist that freshman year with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't even really know why they changed his usage usage, but in the first case, when they used him as like a downfield guy, he outproduced granted. It was, it was more boom or bust. It was a smaller and more volatile sample of targets, but they got more production out of him than they did T Higgins that year. And T Higgins is a little bit older than Ross. So uh, that I mean, maybe it's possible to play uh, to produce a little bit better than T. Higgins your true freshman year at Clemson, and then still turn out to not be any good. But it it seems difficult to explain. Right. So, but I, I'm kind of I'm a little bit more undecided on on Ross than I thought I would be at, at this point. And and yeah, you know, me we're, too. We're, so we you know now we now we're not going to get the the combine testing from him. So you know hopefully he he does the full battery at Clemson's pro day so we can get some some more data on him. But um, yeah, it's it's just an interesting case. I still think he has really high upside based on you know what you're talking about his true freshman season. I mean like the for him to just burn Notre Dame and Alabama to the ground the way that he did as a true freshman like that that's not nothing. Yeah, I unless he somehow lost a step or something. And by the way, like especially the way that true freshman year went, I think we can expect him to test pretty well. Uh, I don't know how you do that stuff unless you're at the very least fast, you know, like those to earn that level of playing time and that usage. And also the, the effectiveness that he had, it's like, it's inconceivable that that player wouldn't be able to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. Uh, Before we move on over to, we're going to get into those Ohio State receivers, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. 
uh, here in a second. But first, we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready to eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So, what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we got a message from our friends over at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, Moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. That's Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wait and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. It's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for Roadwire's fantasy podcast. All right, let's unpack a couple of things here. We're talking about the Ohio State guys, but uh, our viewer Andrew is chiming in a little bit. He's making the point. I think a lot of these guys find a way if they're undersized and, and yeah, expanding on that a little bit. Big guys have an advantage but I don't necessarily classify undersized guys at a disadvantage, generally speaking. And, you know, I tend to agree with that. It, it, it's case by case and role by role. If the guy's used the right way, if he's undersized, like it can obviously still, still work. It, we're, I think the point we're making is that like, if you're, if you're, there's a sum of traits to keep mm-hmm. in mind. Uh, I, I would tell people to try to think of it as like in an RPG when you're starting out with your character and they give you like 20 
points to give for their different traits. It's like, yeah, you can win, uh, you know, being bad at magic or whatever, but it's because you're good enough with our uh, two-handed weapons and bows and arrows. Uh, and if you don't have your bows and arrows in, in your handed weapons, then it, it matters that you uh, were not otherwise a developed mage. So uh, these guys <laughs> who are too, when I'm saying like they're too light or whatever, or not fast enough, it's like that's relative to an ideal that um, despite falling short of it, they can make up for the lost ground by having an excess of some of some other beneficial trait. But there are times too when a guy you know, does something a certain way in college and it's not like his fault or anything. He's actually a good player, but he gets to the NFL and he just can't affect time and space the same way. He can't like reach as high as he did as fast as he did or, or, you know, as fast and high enough as he needs to in the NFL and things that he got away with in college, he just doesn't anymore. And I think, I mean, that's the way I see it anyway. And as far as explaining most cases, where guys fail for reasons that people otherwise can't figure out. It's like, well, he was so good in college and he was, you know, he had a good three cone. And it's like, well, if he won by running in a straight line in college, then his good three cone doesn't matter. And you know, that that's why he doesn't get it done anymore. Um, but yeah, there's, you just got to find a way to get it done somehow. And you know, the more capital as a prospect you have to work with the, the more likely you are to, uh, you know, prove exceptions to various rules that we otherwise don't want guys to follow. So uh, d- dovetailing off of that, which receiver would make the best mage from this class? <laughs> um, well, I guess if, if Justin Ross is so tall and skinny, maybe he would make a more convincing uh, like robed wizard. Because uh, you don't really see like big fat wizards, do you? I don't remember that. Um, no, they, 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 you know, they get their cardio and they get they're their like, steps, get, but... They're like lanky and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, so, yeah that, that's how they appear in my mind's eye. So, I'm kind so of just hitting, uh, you know, the auto enter on the last thing we were talking about. But yeah, Justin Ross, I guess. <laughs> I'm into it. I like that. Um, let's see here. All right. So as promised, let's get into these Ohio State guys a little bit. Obviously, that we still don't have their testing numbers. We do have their measurements. Chris Olave checks in just a little bit over six foot, even 187 pounds, nine and a half inch hands. Garrett Wilson on the other side. 5'11 and 6'8, so so just a hair under six foot, 183. So uh did were those a little bit lighter than you were expecting? I, I know for me, I was expecting both of them to be closer to like the, the mid-190s, something like that. And uh, you know, that that's I think what we had them listed at before we re-entered the their official data. So like what they were listed at at Ohio State was a little bit inflated, it appears. Yeah. Uh Olave. I guess, I guess he's more in line with the expectation. I didn't have any like set height weight specifically that I was expecting, but what he came up with was was kind of in that range. Uh, Wilson a little bit less than the range I had in mind. I, I I don't know why exactly. I guess just because Olave strikes me as just kind of more of a finesse player. I didn't really associate mass with him. I didn't really see the need for him to develop mass, but. Wilson, I mean, he, he does a lot of like running in traffic, running after the catch and stuff like that. So I figured he might want to be more like, you know, a, a little bit closer to a running back kind of build than a pure receiver kind of build like Olave. Because uh, Olave is a pure receiver. He doesn't, he doesn't really need that stuff. Um, I mean, it's fine for Wilson. I don't, I don't really care. I mean, you can, you can be six foot 183 and still be a really good player. And since he's six foot. 183 and I expect him to be good. Uh, expect him to be good. It's uh, th- that's very specifically how I think it'll go. Uh, but yeah, I did imagine him being a little bit more like 195 by now for some reason. Yeah, I, d- I did as well. So, but I, I still think that he's going to, to test. Uh, yeah, well he should here. test very well. And that'll largely be why it'll be easy to look past. Cause it's like, Oh, if you have a four, three, seven, you know, who cares? Yep. Pre- pretty much. So uh, I like that call there. Um, Let's move on over to, to the running backs. We, we don't have uh, measurements just yet for them. I, th- I believe that comes tomorrow along with, with their workouts. But um, just, you know, outside of we, – we talked about Kenneth Walker and, and Brees Hall a little bit in previous podcasts. Uh, let's unpack maybe some other guys that, that are flying a little bit under the radar uh, going into their combines that you, you think, uh, you know, might be able to, to move themselves up. So it's a lot easier for me to – 
kind of run through my process with receivers and tight ends at this point, and maybe even quarterbacks than running backs, because it, it does matter quite a bit for me the way that they test. And there's been too many times in the past where I, you know, kind of try to guess ahead of time how how quick or fast or whatever I think some running back might be based on their tape. And it's it's just really easy to be wrong. So I try not to really even think about it too much until we get the uh, the confirmed height weights and, and testing. And then that's more when I start to really dive into the running back. So, yeah, I'm not nearly as set in my order, and I, I don't have as much to say generally about the running backs at this point. But um, – I, I do agree with the Brees Hall consensus, and I don't know. Spiller is one of those guys that's tough for me. I got to especially get the testing numbers on him. because I, I keep leaving him out whenever we, we're talking about running backs. I, I don't mean to specifically, but he, he, oh, I don't understand the hype. Like, Well, it's like one of those guys that's not even really that important to talk about because his his standing is so undisputed. You know, it's like everybody seems to agree. Like, he's top three running back, and, you know, there's nothing really to, to get too worked up about there, but – I have a lot of trouble figuring out what I think about him and the testing I I need at the very least to get a better idea because it's um, it's just it's tough for me to think through what he is exactly. But he's more for me in, I guess, like the three to four round fringe pending his numbers. Uh, There's nothing that really jumps out to me. Like he seems like he should be fine, you know, serviceable or at least in the NFL. It's just kind of like I feel like it's easy to find serviceable running backs. So I kind of just sort of. uh, Unless he tests better than I'm expecting, I, I kind of figure I'll be a little disinterested in him relative to most people. But it's not because I mean to count him out or anything. Um, but yeah, the the other running backs, I mean, I, I don't know how these guys are going to test either. But two players who could be pretty interesting to me if they do test all right is the BYU Tyler Algier. Uh, not much reason to think he tests well, but if he does, I'll be kind of interested. Uh, you know, he... He, he wouldn't necessarily be a slam dunk pick, even if he did test really well. Like you can remember some weird cases like that Alex Barnes from Kansas State where he, he oh, tested man, really he, well and the NFL was just like, yeah, we don't care. Uh, for for a minute bad. there. Yeah, he, he was so been, good at Kansas State too. So. Could have been a really nice little compliment to Derrick Henry. It's like, okay, Derrick Henry's coming out for a play. Now you get to get bludgeoned by, by this guy who I think like had like the most bench press reps for a running back maybe ever. Well, he had like a three cone or something. Too. He was doing really good. Uh, but yeah, it's like, um, I guess Algier, you know, he he could go undrafted for all I know. But I'm definitely drawn toward the big plays. Like he has he has an obscene uh, number of just big carries the last two years and uh, a lot of touchdowns, too. So it's like you look at his yards per carry, and it's like eight or whatever. And you don't realize that it's like, yeah, that's with him scoring a touchdown every like 10 carries, too. So yeah. Uh, just just breaking the defense repeatedly over and over and over the last two years. Uh, so I'd like to see him weigh in and test pretty decent because if, he, if he's an NFL caliber athlete, I definitely would be interested in him as like a mid-round sleeper or whatever. Uh, other one was, I guess, that Florida running back, Damian Pierce. Is that yeah, can you, can you explain why he's getting the, the amount of hype that he is? Like, I, I've seen a lot of people bring him up, and I'm not sure if it's just because like it's just the, thirst, the first probably. three are so settled. Yeah. So I mean, just I, trying to invent one almost. I'm intrigued enough by him in the meantime, but it's, I'm definitely not like, you know, struck by him. It's not like I'm uh, i I'm only naming him because it's like I had to name a running back, you know, but if, if I, if I had a blank space entirely, I'd probably go with more receivers and tight ends because there's not really much reason. Like you look at Pierce and you don't really think like, Oh, he's fast. He's quick. No, nope. uh, he might be. It's kind of hard to tell from tape sometimes, but it, it's not something you expect exactly. Um, but he's interesting because his production, especially last year, was really good. Like as a runner, he had his best year by far last year. And the whole while at Florida, he was playing pretty well as a uh, part-time like pass catching specialist. So if he if you can scale up the pass catching efficiency that he showed there, and if he if he tests good enough to to project for a you know a three down sort of function. I guess at that point, I don't know why Pierce can't be a, a really good NFL player. But in the meantime, it's more like a shortage of alternatives that makes me notice him in the first place. Like normally a guy like him, he'd be in your interesting round six, seven pile. But if he tests anything other than bad, it's like in a class without much depth. You almost have to wonder about him going for like the fifth round or something, even though it's he's still not that interesting of a prospect. Guys like him go undrafted all the time, you know. 
I, I think so too. And I, I'm just, I guess I'm personally not expecting him to, to test all that well. And yeah, I, I mean, either uh, there's just, there's like nobody else that I know of, you know, I'm almost wondering, I guess there's that Arizona Rashad white or whatever from Arizona state, but he's, he's kind of strange. I don't know what to think of him. Uh, there's just kind of not that many running backs this year. I don't know. One guy that, that we haven't really talked about yet um, is Kyron Williams out of Notre oh, Dame. Oh, yeah. So uh, I've seen a, a good amount of Gio Bernard comps for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think people try to get worked up about players like him because they want to basically sound so smart about how they know that it's good to pass more than run. And they're like, oh, he's a pass catching back. That's the future. Gio Bernard's a top 10. I know no one's actually said this, but there's a certain – subsection of people that cheerlead for uh, I call them scab backs uh, these running backs who are basically false running backs and only play because of uh, formational and like circumstantial uh, forces that kind of reduce the the use of a running back like hurry up you know you don't really need a running back and hurry up except to pick up a, a blitz I guess um, so yeah I'm not interested in that category of player just because I'm just I guess ideologically biased against it uh, I want players who can actually run and if i need a player who can catch a six yard pass i'll find a receiver who can do it um so yeah we'll see if kyron williams tests well though and and i'm meaning better than geo bernard better than um whoever really uh i mean naheem hines is is kind of one of these backs and i don't think he's very good but he has four three seven speed and it hasn't made a difference so um generally a guy like williams i would have liked to have seen just plain dominate more in college um, but if he tests well athletically and if, if he's, you know, actually fast, actually quick, there's definitely reason in that case to project him being a viable pass catcher in the NFL and thus, you know, pushing for like 300, 400 snap kind of role. But man, I just, I, I'm so bored with those kinds of players. I, I want players who can actually like really propel an offense, you know, people who can run with the football. Give me more Nick Chubbs. Yes. Simply give me more Nick Chubbs. <laughs> Please. Did you you see his um, weightlifting video from earlier this week? <laughs> no. Uh, what did he do now? Um, you know, just like real casually, like squatting like 500 pounds or something. Just yeah, like, he's it was, insane. Like it was I mean, it's so, it's so funny because you look at a picture of him and then if you ever see those like uh, high school track pictures of him, you're like, oh, this has been like a, he's been 27 year old Nick Chubb all this time. Like He looks <laughs> he's like fully grown man at, in like a 12th grade, just looking like a janitor and sitting in <laughs> class or something. <laughs> Solving various equations on the whiteboard in the hallway. Uh, yeah. did, re- did recently just watch um, Goodwill Hunting unrelated, but um, yeah, I, I do love how Chubb will like go, go back to his high school and, and work out. And like you see in the video, like uh, I can't imagine being the kid in the squat, right squat rack right next to him being like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Yeah, like, huh, I should consider other career paths, evidently. I think Uh, that's what you need to be able to do. I I don't think I got that. I'm going to try baseball. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to look through. I I guess even as far as that category goes, James Cook is more interesting to me, I guess, you know? I mean, we'll see. If if, if Williams is the one who has all the wheels and and Cook is just kind of like a quick, skinny guy, then I I take it back, but... um, uh, in addition to Cook, there's also Tristan Ebner to keep in mind, and, and maybe even White, I guess, in that category. So it's like, I, I guess another reason I can't get excited about Kyron Williams is like I'm just not, I'm not convinced enough that he's uniquely good as a pass catcher in this class either. You know? Yeah, I, th- I think that Cook probably has like a little bit more natural ability. I mean, George would would split him out wide, or they, they'd use him a lot on on passing downs, and you, you know, he had a really explosive output in the, in those type of roles like you can run him downfield and he's going to catch it. Yeah. So other than, you know, those guys, uh, I feel safe in kind of writing off Brian Robinson. He's just back up. I think um, yep. if there's a, if there's another guy who pops up, it's going to have to just, I suppose, be someone who tests surprisingly well. Uh, and you got to watch out. You can't just be like, Oh, Jeremy Langford. He's our savior now. Like that's, that's not enough. They have to be like a good, like the, the workout detail has to, make them simply more interesting. It can't be like the entire reason they're interesting, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I guess if, I don't know, something goofy, like if Jerome Ford runs like a four, four flat, then I guess I might have to reconsider things with him, you know? Sure. Exactly. So, so yeah, the, the testing will, will definitely uh, clear some things up in, in what's kind of a, a, a muddied 
uh, running back class that where the tons of moving parts, not too many set tiers really so far. So definitely looking forward to seeing them uh, work out Friday. I, bu- I believe it is. Um, any other thoughts here before we sign off any predictions or anything else that you're keeping an eye on for, for this weekend? Um, let me try to regather my thoughts real quick on uh, the receivers and the tight ends. Cause um, I'm really eager to see how the tight ends play out. Actually, there's, there's a lot that could be important in this. The, uh, a lot of this uh, 2022 draft class overall could, could kind of contain the biggest stories could be like tight ends in this class. If they test a certain way, if, if uh, Trey McBride and Isaiah likely test legitimately fast and legitimately quick, they could all of a sudden be like, I don't know, top 40 kind of players who could catch specifically a lot of passes in the NFL and be maybe fantasy impacts even early in their careers. Uh, I've seen some people a little bit lower on this Jalen Weidermeyer or whatever his name is, but I think I'm higher than most people on him. Uh, I see, I see people complaining like, Oh, he's just, you know, he's not as flashy. He's too sluggish or whatever. It's like, Two freshmen who play as much as him and draw as many targets as him tend to stay playing football. You know, like they don't they don't tend to just disappear one day. So uh, if he tests as well as top recruits often do, I'll be pretty interested in Weidermeyer, even if he's one of those, you know, better in the NFL than uh, in college kind of players. But otherwise, yeah, there's a lot to sort out at receiver. I mean, I'm really interested to see how those Ohio State guys test. Um you know, uh, Wandale Robinson is another guy that I'm really eager to – I don't know if he's yes. going to run. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that's everybody who's, like, in my biggest names category. Oh, um, I guess it was uh, worth mentioning quickly. Uh, looks like Sky Moore was officially listed at 5'10", which is interesting because his first couple of years at Western Michigan, he was listed at 5'9". So I don't know if that was the, just them being uh, not generous or I don't know if he, like, grew a half an inch over the past few years. But he's interesting because he's he's like well built uh, with that kind of frame, and if if he tests well, uh, he could push for like the second round or something at receiver. Yeah, I, I do like Sky more, so that that's that's a good call there. And I do tend to agree with you that uh, the tight end seems to be like an underserved uh, topic point uh, when it comes to this draft class because I, I feel like after last year, you know, you had Kyle Pitts, and then you kind of had nobody. I mean, Friar, Friar moves, ended up having it, have, yeah. He had a better season that, than I think pretty much anyone could have expected, but yeah, there was no real tight end depth last year. And that that's, there isn't a Kyle Pitts in this class. I mean, there's a reason why everyone just called him a unicorn last year, but there's a lot of guys that, that really could be productive NFL tight ends here. Yeah. And so I, I mentioned Weidermeyer, uh, McBride and likely, and I've seen other people talk glowingly of Rucker, the Ohio state one, and even Otten, the Washington one. So I don't even really know who those guys are yet, to be totally honest. So um, if there's that many valid, if there's that many like um, legitimate candidates fighting for that top role, then I'm actually pretty excited to watch how it plays out because this this could be a group with like five or six starters in it at tight end. I think so too. Um, I, I'm a fan of of Cole Turner out of out of. Oh right, Nevada. Cole Turner. Yeah, I keep forgetting about him. He's good. I, I you know the the. The per catch numbers and per target numbers aren't going to like blow you away, but I, I, they're totally good though because he was a volume catcher too. So it's like when when you're taking up that much of a share of that productive of a passing game at Nevada, uh, you know the more volume you have, the less efficiency you need to demonstrate as long as you're not like going south of the baseline. So Turner Turner's production actually grades really good for me. Okay, excellent. Well, that, that's reassuring, and I, I think that the film showed him to be a, a pretty impressive athlete. And you know, we'll, we'll be able to see if there's also the uh, the UCLA guys kind of interesting. Oh, Kohler, Charlie Kohler. Um, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of interesting tight ends. Um, otherwise, uh, I was just there was one more receiver I wanted to mention. I wanted a, a stupid like big sleeper uh, guy that I'm curious about is uh, the Rutgers one. I want to if he tests well, he could all of a sudden be like a top seventy five pick for me. I, I do like Bo Melton. Uh, always re- respected him for sticking it out at Rutgers when like things God. were not great. Yeah. Uh, so so <laughs> cheer, cheers to him for that one. And uh, one last uh, item I'll, I'll throw your way. Um, I believe it was is Daniel Jeremiah. I saw a graphic on, on NFL Network. Expected fastest 40, Danny Gray out of SMU. Huh. Um, yeah, he was a receiver. I was, I was having some trouble figuring out what I thought about him because this production is 
not that interesting. Uh, that detail helps clarify why anyone was interested in him, I guess, because it was hard to figure out just at a glance, you know? Sure. Um, he, I'm guessing he's not much. Like, I'm guessing if he's anything, he's just kind of like another Colby Listonby type because he wasn't that productive. But I get if SMU had total crap quarterbacks who could only throw like five yards or whatever, then I guess that could have hurt Gray more than you know, it might have made him hard, made it hard for him to produce, even if he was good. Uh, it's like he, you know, even Cortland Sutton caught like 45 fewer passes than what's his name that one year. Uh, the what the one, uh, Trey Quinn. Uh, oh my so yeah, God, like, that's right. So in like, you know, Jarvis Landry had way bigger numbers than Odell Beckham and stuff like that. So sometimes a bum quarterback can make a receiver just not really have a chance, but uh, I'll have to look more at Gray because I, I didn't, I did not know that he was supposed to be that fast. Yeah. And if he is that, then we'll certainly, you know, kind of have to take note, but that was, that was always kind of the, the summation of like those SMU receivers, whether it was Gray, uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, Reggie Roberson, oh, Roberson right? Yes, he, I think he's just a little bit overaged, and his injury history is so concerning to where like I'm probably out on him. Yeah, if he tests really well, he he's still in play. But if he doesn't, if he tests anything other than very well at his age and uh, in injury history, he's probably you know a priority free agent at most at that point. Yeah, so a little, little bit. Uh, worried there when it when it comes to Roberson and, and a little intrigued uh, when it comes to Danny Gray. So a little SMU talk uh, here to, to round out uh, the show today. But that's going to do it for us here. We'll be back next week breaking down our reactions from the full uh, battery of testing at the Combine. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.